supposed to be sit down. Thank you. I'm over there crying. I swear I am. Uh, everything starts out small. How many you know what I'm talking about? Because when God gave Tracy and I, Zach, he was small. And I remember taking him in the alley. I lived in Tacoma, Washington. And I take him down this little rock alley in his little red wagon. And uh, he couldn't push it or anything, but I remember, I just remember, I pray over him, God. I just pray things over him. I dream over his life and pray over his life. And, you know, for me to stand up here and just hear my son talk about the Lord and love Jesus and, and his heart and his desire and his precious wife, Claire, that Tracy and I are just madly in love with as well. And just see all those things and our grandchildren. And, you know, I, I was looking, I was thinking of my, my little grandson, Eli, Zach's oldest one the other day. And I was running by and I saw him out in the playground. I was running by there one morning. And I just started praying for him. I said, God, I don't know what he's going to be. But, Lord, watch out, world, because whatever he chooses, he's com- he coming at it. And uh, so this morning, man, Zach messed me up, man. I just uh, um. This morning, I want to talk to you about legacy. And last week, uh, last week we just began to talk about that and what that really looked like. So, first of all, thank you for being here for the second week of legacy. Amen? That you broke out through the weather. It was maybe foggy, dim, cloudy, whatever. And it kind of gets you in the mood not to want to do much. But this morning, I want to talk to you about living a life at the ultimate level. That's what I talked about last week. Living, you live a life beyond yourself. And, you know, I, I want to teach you a concept that I bet, mo- bet probably 90% of you uh, aren't even aware of. And this morning, there's a part of our lives that's going to be counted on the other side of this life one day. How many you know that? How many you know there's going to be another life on the other side that's going to be counted? That we're going to stand before mighty God one day and we're going to give account. There, there are rewards, there's judgment that Christians will face. It's called the white throne judgment. And it's not... There'll be judgment for those that did not know the Lord, but there'll be judgment for us as Christians by the things we did as we heard the voice of the Lord speak to us and the things we didn't do. And I, I know this. Next week, I'm going to talk a little bit about what that's like and on the, the more theology, more on the theology side of things. And don't, get, don't wind me down because it's going to be fun. It's going to be exciting, but it's going to be challenging. Today is a very unique part of this series, and what I want to talk to you about is, you know, we go, well, Pastor Bo, what a, we want to build a legacy. I know that, let me just say this, last week I got on the video and I shared about just the dream that we have. You know, one of the things that we want to do is, as we know this with our children's ministry, we've really outgrown what we have, and we're believing God to build a children's ministry. And I'm going to talk to you about in the next, we're preparing these next couple of months, we're going to present to you, and we're going to start a dream, we're going to start putting our faith toward the dream. Is that all right? And so we're just preparing. We're, we're believing God for great things. In Eunice, we're believing for God. We want to buy some more property. There's a corner. There's two old ladies that own it. One's willing to give it. And the other one, Lily. This is what Jamie, he found out. He went and did some investigation. He went and found out. And there was the other lady. Her daddy told her when she, he died, don't you ever sell that land. So I told Jamie, he said, that's just, a, that's, that's just God. Because when we bought the land over here where the office is of four acres, Mr. Sonier looked at me. I'm sorry. This is what he exactly said. I said, Mr. Sonier, would you ever be interested in selling that property? He had a big old chaw in his mouth. And he goes, hell no. We own all his property and his house. All right. I'm glad y'all got excited about that. 
Listen, I just believe this. When someone tells you a no, that's always a yes for God. God is the God. When people say it's impossible, God makes the impossible possible. And see, today, I just want to talk to you about, we want to touch, the, how many of you want to touch the heart of God? You got to let faith be stirred up inside of you if you touch the heart of God. See, we believe that, we got to believe things that we don't see. We believe things that seem impossible. You know, I, I love what Ephesians 4, 1 says, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. In other words, Paul's saying, I'm begging you to live the life that I've called you to live. I'm begging you to experience my presence, experience my power, experience my provision, experience my deliverance. You see, I believe it. You need to know, you need to know it is your call. Now, you haven't been called just to suck air. <gasps> God's called you to do something, to be something. If you're alive today, it's because God is not done with you yet. See, some of you came in here, well, God's just done with me. Look at me. I want you to look at me. See the whites of my eyes. God is not done with you. Hey, your parents may be done with you. Your job may be done with you. People around you go, I'm done with you. But can I tell you something? God's not done with you. So let, let me just show you a verse. Uh, uh, before, let me just show you the verse before that verse. It says, this is Ephesians. Now to him who is able to do immeasurable more than we ask or imagine. In other words, you got to stir, you got to stir, you got to stir things up in you to live. And I want to live a more kind of life. How many, say it with me, a more kind of life. That means I want, I want to believe God for more. I don't want to believe God. I don't want to just sit in my P-Row and go, well, I hope the wind blows today. You didn't bring a push pole or a paddle. You're not going anywhere. And I believe this. Is it, it says that then all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is in work within us, to him be the glory and in the church, in Christ Jesus, through all generations, forever and ever. Amen. God wants to bring glory through the church. How many of you believe that? Movements and revivals have come and go, but I can't tell you what's, what hadn't left is the local church. God wants to use the local church as the hope of the world. The local church is the hope of the world. I want to stir something in you that you want to go, man, I want to live an ex- extraordinary life. I don't want to just go and be ordinary. I want to be extraordinary. See, my fear is that too many of you are living an ordinary life, and I want to stir up something extraordinary in you this morning. And I'm preaching better than you're responding. I want you to live the way, not this way. I, don't want, I want you to live a way, that, you know, not because you're extraordinary, but because he is. Are you hearing me? He's extraordinary. It's, it's his power working in you. It's sometimes we, we got to choose just not to live the ordinary life. See, I, the thing I don't want, I don't want Christianity that's predictable and boring. I want, I want a place where God wants to move you beyond what you've been used to. In Jesus' name. If you're here this morning, you're, in the, you're hearing what I'm saying. Christianity has just become blah many times. You know, you can almost predict. You can go to some church and you can predict what they're going to say, what they're going to do, and what's next. Okay, y'all are looking at me like donkeys at the gate. 
maybe I'm just preaching good and you're just kind of catching up. Or y'all just kind of, just, I just went, Lord, let the funk be gone in Jesus' name. See, I know this. There's a movie, I want to go see it, and it's called The Bucket List. And it's about two guys that actually had cancer. And I have a friend tell me about it. And in that bucket list, they, they're about, they know they're going to die. So they're trying to do all these things they want to do before they die. How many of you have dreams and desires and you maybe have a bucket list? You know, I have some things that I've written down in my life that I, I have some things in a bucket list that I want. I have things for my wife and I, for my children, for the church, and, and just even for my own life. One of my bucket lists is I've been to Hawaii. My wife has never been to Hawaii. I want to take her to Hawaii. That's on my bucket list. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You know, she's, her sister lived there. Her sister just got back from there. She saw pictures, you know, all these things. And I'm like, one day before I die, I want to go to Hawaii with my wife. Also, I want to take my, my wife and my two youngest children to Africa next year. That's on my bucket list. Okay? And my wife's going, I ain't going. I ain't taking. No, I'm not leaving the kids for two weeks. Well, good. They're going to come with you. One of my bucket lists is that I'm praying for right now. I, I have one daughter, and I love her very much. And one of the things on my bucket list is that I'm praying for a future husband, that I fall in love with him, and I love him as much as I love her one day. That's on my bucket list. Another thing on my bucket list, I'm going to kill a bear before I die. <laughs> Let me just tell you this. I'm going to kill something that can kill me one day. Are you hearing me? I want to kill something that can kill me. How many of you are talking about? Just get that. Yeah, come on. I mean, when you're so scared, I mean, the goosebumps, they go inward and your hairs go inside. I mean, not sticking up. I'm not talking about a lion in Africa tied up to a tree going, meow. I'm talking about, Wah. I mean, something. Half of the stuff that I, I can't even share some of the stuff, but half of that stuff that, 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 that may never happen in my life. But I have a goal. And listen, I'm, I'm trying, I might not hit it every time, but I have goals. I have a goal for this church. The Lord spoke to me 20 years ago that one day that I'd be part of a group of churches. And we would, before we even had our churches, before all these different things. And then over the years, and even how God called me. And just recently this week, God reminded me some things that he's going to raise up this area. And we're going to raise up 10 churches in this region. Next year, we're believing God to go to Crowley. How's that going to happen, God? And we need a plan. Okay, if you don't have a plan, you ain't going nowhere. And I believe this is it. You know, I think failure is not when you don't achieve your goals. Failure is when you don't have one in the first place. Can I just tell you something? Let me prophesy. You will fail. But at least you got you to be at a place where you're just going for it. You're just going for it. Why not have a dream of something that you're going after? I remember when I, when the first time I saw this woman, let me tell you something. And she broke out that, that green bathing suit. I said, Lord, I want her. Okay, let me just confess something. How many of you know, let me tell you, how many of you know God gives the attraction gift? And it's not the devil. It's what you do when you're attracted. That's what really matters. And I remember hearing her pray. And when I saw her in the bathing suit, that sealed the deal. And I know this is it. 
you know, you have to go. If you're here today, if you hear anything today, hear this. God never intended you to live an ordinary life. Pastor, are you mad? Yes, I'm mad. I'm mad as heck at the devil lying to you, thinking that you can't be nothing. Well, I'm just a barnacle on the bottom of a shrimp boat in Cameron Harbor. No, you're not. Let me just say, you know, he, we, he always intends for you to live a life beyond yourself. And when you get there, it changes everything, not only for you, but for the people that you'll impact. Let me just talk to you. I want to talk to you about three things that are legacy stoppers in your life. The first one is you have a wrong view of yourself. Some people call it humility. Humility is not when you think less of yourself. It's when you think of yourself less. Do I need to say that again? Humility is not when you think of yourself, think your, think less of yourself. It's when you think less, when you think of yourself less. You see, sometimes we, we get that backwards. Well, I'm just a worm. I'm not a man. No, God's called you to be who he's called you to be. It's being real. It's being open. It's being honest. God sees greatness in you. And, and, but you don't see it in yourself. Psalms, one thir- uh, Psalms 35, it begins to talk about he will stump, stoop down. He's able to stoop down and make you great. And his greatness is written in you today. That's what he's saying. I'll stoop down. And I, whatever people thought about you, said about you, I'll just pick you up. And I'm going to put greatness in you. I'm going to breathe in you. You see, if anybody, let me just say this. If anybody has the right to teach us, it's me. Why, Pastor Bubba? Because let me just tell you something. By the time I graduated high school, I'd been to 15 different schools. Then it wasn't by choice, some of them. Some, they said, we don't want you back. We don't want your son back next year. You got to find a different school for him or things I would do. And let me just say, on my best day, let me just say that on my best day, I'm a C student. Can I hear it for all the C students in the room? Come on. All you C students, come on. And all you were like Tracy 4.0s and all that, we love you. But you know, can I just tell you something? When I first started preaching, I remember I had to go through a preaching uh, part of my, my college and stuff. My first preaching thing that I ever did in front of a bunch of people, I made a C. And I was like, dang. You know, I thought I was better than that. And But look what the Lord's done. And no one is amazed more than I am. And all the glory goes to God. You know, but see, I, let me just say, you know what keeps you from really being a legacy maker? Sometimes just insecurity. How many of you got, don't raise your hand, how many of you know what I'm talking about? You deal with insecurities. Like I shared last week, every woman goes to the mirror, and when they look in the mirror, they see their flaws. Every man goes to the mirror, he goes, man, I'm, I got it, I've got it going on. It don't matter how you look. You know? But, let me, insecurity is, you know, well, that's who I am. Let's, don't think about all the things. Let me say, if you let the Lord heal you, he'll give you a right disposition of who you are. You don't have to be insecure. I know this. If God gives you a word, God never sends a messenger with an empty envelope. I promise you. The second thing is, don't have fear. But I'm afraid. I don't know if I can do it good. You're not doing it anyway. He's going to do it through you. 
Another thing is inadequacy. How many of you feel inadequate sometimes? You know, you, you're measuring yourself by yourself, not the, the God that is in you. Are you hearing me? You can't measure yourself by yourself. You've got to measure yourself for the God that's in you. What does that mean? Without God, you are inadequate. But with God, you are more than a conqueror. Amen? You're more than a conqueror. And then sometimes you have just reluctance or, or a, pras- a procrastinator. How many of you have ever procrastinated? You can raise your hand. Come on, man. Okay, little wives, y'all them husbands can't fix things around your house? There you go. You need to just do something. You know what? I, you just need to do something like Pastor Zach. We had a, uh, he sh- talked about next step next week. Some of you going, well, I'll do next step next time. You're procrastinating. You need to do next step next week, not next time or when you feel like it. If you want to be involved and find out what God has for you and, where, and you want to get involved and do what God wants you to do within the body of this church called Our Savior's Church, then you need to go to next step. 1 Peter 2.9 says this. Am I going too fast? 1 Peter 2.9 says in the King, New King James says, But you are a chosen generation. You're chosen. A royal priesthood. A holy nation. His own special people. That you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. God takes us from something and he puts us into something. Amen? He takes us out. He takes us from the world. He takes us from the darkness. He puts light in us. He takes us from things that bound us and he, he delivers us. You see, I, I just know this. If you're going to be a legacy person, you have to have a proper view of who you are in God. The second thing is a wrong view of people. That'll keep you from being a legacy maker. People just might irritate you. They may bug you. They are not, they, they are not a person to be loved. They're a problem to be avoided. That's how some of you feel. If, you, if your choice is on how you view people, look, you're either going to, people, like I shared a couple weeks ago, people are going to either irritate you or they're going to entertain you. It's your attitude. It's your attitude. What happens? The second thing is, is that your choice on how you view them. When, when I see young people, it kills me that 87% still don't know what they want to do. And can, I don't get stressed about if you don't know what you're doing, you're young. Jesus didn't go into the ministry until he was 30 years old. And you're stressing out and you're 20 and you haven't got it figured out. It's okay. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It's okay. You know, I know most people. How many of you know what you wanted to do for the rest of your life when you were 20 years old? Raise your hand few people okay are you doing it that's the question you see God gave me a view or a vision for this this you know when God spoke to me God gave me a view or vision of this region I was flying to California when when one day and I, I was flying over this area and I could see the church from the, the plane and I remember there was it was almost harvest time and I could see the fields, and they were full and everything. And I was looking for geese and ducks. Don't, don't, I ain't going to lie to you. But I felt like the Lord just spoke to me. He said, Baba, just like the farmers are preparing to reap a harvest, I'm going to give you a harvest that you have no room to contain for this region. 
And sometimes we think we got the timing down. But can I tell you, in God, you never know the time. You never know. It could come any moment. And it can be so great. Listen, when a farmer has such a great crop, he may call other farmers. Hey, man, can you help me? I got so much, I don't know what to do with it. You know what? I believe that God wants to do that in the spirit in many of people's lives. That God wants to pour out on your family and in your, in your place of work and what you're doing and what you're believing God for. That God is God. He's the God of more than enough. He's not the God of barely enough. Not the God of just getting by. He's the God of more than enough. You see, I believe this. We, we, you know, Matthew says when, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. You can never leave a legacy if you have a wrong view of people. Jesus saw people and he said, man, they've been harassed, they've been abused. Uh, you know what? Uh, if, you, if you've been harassed or abused, I just want you to go on a mission trip. You get it, you don't get a new perspective if you ever go on a mission trip and you see people that are struggling and they need hope. This morning I got a text from Pastor Villam. We were texting back in. He was praying for me. And he said, I'm praying. We had a great service. I'm praying. I'm sending uh, what God gave us here to here. And I said, I'll take a double portion. Most of the time you Africans send us hurricanes. So I'll take a hurricane in the spirit. You know, the third thing is a wrong view of God. We forget that we're serving an all-powerful, all-knowing, miracle-working, above and beyond, abundant God. See, the biggest tension between, between uh, the tension of a bucket list is how many of you, you how many of those things do you put in it and, and, and know that they, they, they can just never happen? See, Put some of those things in there that you know they can't happen because you need God to make them happen. And if he shows up, you're going, that was God. And so when I look at our church and our region, there's some things in there. I'm just going, God, you better show up. Listen, I want to serve a God, and I want to have a vision bigger than myself, bigger than what we can do. Are you, are you hearing me? Okay, look at me. I need your help this morning. How many of you can talk? How many of you got loud mouths? Come on, you can talk. How many of you get excited, excited when the Saints win? Come on, come on. How many of you get excited when the Tigers win? How many of you get excited, you know, this week that Jennings beat Iota? Okay, all right, I knew that we could stir something. I got some Iota beat. What? Okay, see, y'all get excited about that, but can I tell you something? Y'all don't look too excited this morning about the Lord. So let me just say this. I love you, but you need to put some voice behind what you're believing this morning. You know, Jeremiah says, ah, sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. I want I want to join with a God and live life beyond the ordinary. I want us to have a church that we're we're above our heads and we got to go, God. God can't, you know what? God, I can't do it. And that's where God goes, good. I'm going to come in and I'm going to do it. I'm going to show you what I can do. Okay, here's the theme. I hadn't even started preaching. Here's the theme of the message. Okay, here's the theme. Here's the theme verse. I tell you the truth. 
anyone who has faith in me, and that means say it out loud, say this out loud, anyone who has faith, say it again, anyone who has faith. Okay, that means anyone, I looked it up in the Bible, in the Greek, and in the Hebrew, it means anyone. Will do what I have been, what I've been doing. This is Jesus. If you have faith, you saw the things that he did. I mean, I love the story where Jesus is coming and they have this guy, he's deaf and dumb, and, and the crowd's going, heal him, Lord, heal him, Lord. And the Bible says Jesus took him off to the side, and what Jesus did, he said this, he said, he, he <laughs> I love what he did. He stuck his e- fingers in the man's ears. And he went, poof, and his ears popped open. And he started, he could hear. But the next part is even cool. And I hadn't heard many messages on Jesus spit in his hands. He went, not in the man's hand, in his hands. And he went, stick out your tongue, buddy. And the Bible says he t- touched his tongue and he spoke. You know what the Lord spoke to me this week? Bubba. In this region, you're going to open up ears and you're going to touch tongues and their tongues are going to turn to tongues of fire where God begins to speak and God's going to use people in this church. And you know what the Bible says after that? And it said, this is what it says after Jesus did and they saw him. He said, isn't it wonderful what he does? That people can come and they can look and go, isn't it wonderful what God does? Isn't it wonderful? Where do they go to church? I don't care, but it's wonderful what God does. When's the last time you looked at your situation and you looked at your circumstance? Man, isn't it wonderful what God does? Wow, isn't it wonderful what God does? You see, he, goes, he, says, he said, he will do even greater things. That's the challenge. How many of you believe in God for a greater kind of God, greater kind of things? And he said, then because I'm going to the Father, Hebrews says this, 11.1, give us the definition of faith, Pastor Bubba. Good, here it is, Hebrews 1. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Some of you have lost hope. Daddy, give me my phone right there on the floor. How many of you have ever lost one of these things? Come on. How many of you have lost one of these things before? Are your keys? Who's got some keys? Throw them at me. Come on, throw them at me. Come on, somebody. Go ahead, Roxanne. Lord, she got a full-on, man, what you got on here, girl? Hey, you don't need a weapon. This is a weapon. Let me tell you something. You know why she has a long thing like that? So she don't lose it. Is that right? Okay, let me tell you something. How many of you have almost lost your salvation before in your life because you lost these things right here? Or you threatened to kill your children because you saw them playing a game on your phone and you can't find it? You go, Roxanne. You know what? You know, Pastor, what does that have to do with anything? Well, I've got somewhere I want to go with that. See, it's if you lose something, you got to go back. And what you do when you lose something, what do you do? You go back and you look for where you, you kind of retrace your steps. Come on. And some of you aren't where you feel like you've lost your faith. And you know what you need? You need to go back and retrace your steps where you used to be, how you used to believe, and go, you know what, God? I think you want to restore hope and faith inside of me. And so what does that look like, Pastor Bubba? Faith is this thing, it's something. See, he says, I want you, I, this is what I want you to do. I want you to get fired up, up about hope again. That's what faith is all about. It's a substance of things hoped for. And the Bible says, in the evidence of things not seen. 
What does that mean, Pastor Baba? I'm glad y'all asked so many good questions at this church. I'm calling our Savior Church to greater things. Can I say that? I'm calling that. What does that mean? That means you to greater things. I'm calling you and I to live a greater things kind of life. Is that okay? Listen, if you want a comfortable, laid back, just coasting through life kind of church, you're at the wrong church. People say, sometimes people say, say of us, well, y'all all about numbers. Y'all just want people. Can I just set, the straight, set you straight this morning? Can I just make a confession? We are all about numbers because I want more numbers going to heaven than to hell. We are all about numbers. I want numbers. I want marriages. I want the number of marriages to be healed in this region, in this area. We're all about numbers. When teenagers get off of drugs and start living a radical life for Jesus and go out on the mission field and change the world, we are all about, oh, yeah, I'm guilty as charged. People matter to God, and they better matter to us. I'm all about numbers. I'm all about numbers. You know what numbers represent? That means a healed person. Look around you. We're kind of low this morning. That grieves me. Why? Because I see people that are normally here that aren't here. I don't know what their circumstances are. I could care less. No, that's not true. I do care. But can I tell you something? People matter. Can I ask you a question? Do people matter to you? Here's my challenge to you. Oh, don't. Oh, that was a trick, Pastor. If they matter, what are you doing? Every number represents a person. Every person has a name. And every name has a story. And every story to God matters. We will do everything in our power to add more campuses, to have more services, to give more money away. I want to do that. I mean... Build more buildings, train new leaders, do things. I mean, I talked to my son, and I'm just going to say my son Nathan this week. Let me just, some of you have been praying for him. I called him. He is on fire for God. He got up. There was a guy. He said, Dad, this guy, his, his name is just Brother Harry. He was preaching, and he said, anybody here don't know the Lord? He said, I stood up. He prayed over me, and Dad, when he finished praying for me, I sat down. I knew Jesus. And he said, Dad, I'm learning responsibility. I go, you know that $10 word? He said, Dad, I hate liars. I go, is this Nathan McCann? Is this? And he goes, Dad, this is where I'm supposed to be. God is doing so much in my life. Okay, let me get in the message, all right? Here's the key. You can't do any of this without faith. How many believe that? Let me just set this up for you. There was Israel was divided into two kingdoms. They had the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. And in the kingdoms, the, north, the northern kingdom was called Israel and the southern kingdom was called Judah. And they actually had a split in Israel. And what happened, they wanted, they wanted both the king of Judah and the king of Israel and the king of Edom to come together and go fight the king of Moab. But because they knew they didn't have the numbers. They, didn't, they did something. They thought that they would need God to show up. So they went out to go fight. And so they thought they were going to win if they'd get three of them together. And so I'm going to pick up in 2 Kings chapter 3, and I'm going to begin to read. And it says, So the king of Israel 
set out with the king of Judah and the king of Edom. After a roundabout march for seven days. Does that sound like an old miracle to you? Huh? They were trying to do something that created a miracle in the past. They were marching around for seven days, but look what happens. It's kind of crazy. And he said, here they are. They got all this. And the army had no more water for themselves or for the animals with them. In other words, they did. They went to go fight, and they ran out of water. What, exclaimed the king of Israel, has the Lord called us three kings together only to hand us over to Moab? But, how I many you know there's always a good but in the Bible? You just need to find your butt in the good butt, all right? And he said, but Jehoshaphat asked, is there no prophet of the Lord here that we may inquire of the Lord through him? An officer of the king of Israel answered, Elisha, the son of Zaphat, is here. He used to pour water on the hands of Elijah. Jehoshaphat said, the Lord, the word of the Lord is with him, with him. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat and the king of Edom went down to him, Elijah said to the king of Israel, now you're going to see in this story, Elisha didn't like the king of Israel. Why? Because the king of Israel, let me just give you a little history here, because they had gone to serve other gods. And so it kind of irritated Elisha that the king of Israel was there because he's like, you know, they, they, they just totally abandoned God. And here he is. He said, he said what do you have to do with each? And so Elijah said to the king, what do you have to do with each other? Go to the prophets of your father and the prophets of your mother. No, uh, mother. He's saying, in other words, he's saying, go to those things you trust. No, the king of Israel answered, because it, it was the Lord who called us three kings together to hand us, to hand us over to Moab. Elisha said, as surely as the Lord Almighty lives whom I serve, if I did not have respect for the presence of Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, I would not, I would not look at you or even notice you. I love the Bible. Your mama, he's saying. (laughs) Elijah was only going to help them out because the king of Jehoshaphat. Ladies, don't name your children anything that has fat in it, all right? We see three things happen. Something in this story teaches us to have faith for greater things. Okay, here it is, the next verse. Now, but now, bring a harpist. While the harpist was playing, the Lord came upon Elisha. They were fighting a war, and he wanted, can I tell you something? Come up here, Zach. He was up, he, they, here they are, they're going to fight a battle. Play, play, just a second. And, and as they're going to fight in the battle, just play something. Give me some mood. How many of you know that sometimes you need mood music? Okay, he, he was saying, you know what, we need some mood music. Come on, doesn't that, come on, I, I feel like preaching even stronger. Come on, how many you know music matters? Okay, stop. Play again. Anyway, just. Let me just say this. Stop, Zach. Faith is birthed in God's presence. Let me say it again. Faith is birthed in God. Some of us have no faith because we have no presence. Play the music. Come on. Play play that song, uh, Turn Your Eyes on Jesus. 
You don't, you don't get it. It goes like this. Remember that song? Come on. Come on, you old saints. Come on. And I hate to say old saints, but you remember that song? Turn your eyes upon Jesus. I'm doing the wrong thing. And, and it says, and look into his wonderful face. And all the things of earth will grow strangely dim. And aren't you glad I don't lead the hills? Some of you have any, haven't experienced God's presence in a long time. Stop the keyboard. That's what it sounds like in your house. That's what it sounds like in your house. How many you know you can't take the worship band home with you? You can't take Zach with you. You're in the middle of a storm. Come on, Zach, play it. But see, we need to put on worship right here. In the background, there you go. There's a new. Sometimes I'm in my house, and my wife, she loves to have worship. She likes to be like everybody out of the house, and she likes to turn up worship music loud. How I many of you are talking about ladies? I mean, she's, if she's, a, she, like, sometimes she gets, oh, the kids are home. They're sick. Oh, you know, because she wants her worship music. Or if I come home for, I've had a couple times where I've come home for lunch. She goes, oh, she's not mad at me, but she's disappointed because she wanted to just worship. You know what I'm saying? Oh, she makes the best of it, and I show up, you know. But can I just say something? It's our job. To stir you to go seek Jesus and find him at this church. That's my job. See, and if you do that, if you go and you put on worship, what does that mean? Worship. That means that means you can go to work, put in something. You can you can listen to something on your on your your little headphone things or whatever, wherever you're at. Or you know what I'm talking about? Or it's not just hearing the music, but it's a state of heart where you just, you're worshiping God, your God conscience and what you're going through and what you're facing. And see, it's our job to stir you up and believe for, for, you know what? That you have enough faith when you walk out of here in the morning on Sunday, that you have enough faith to believe for that wayward son that's go far away and then one day they'll find Jesus and they'll be delivered and they'll be set free or that husband or that wife that's wayward and not doing anything. And, and you're, you're believing God, that, that God would do something in their lives, that you have faith stirred up inside of you, that I don't care what I hear, I don't care what I see, I believe that God is able to deliver to the othermost. God's able. Listen, God makes possible what seems impossible. Faith is birth. In the presence of God. 2 Kings 3.16. And he said, this is what the Lord says. Make this valley full of ditches. Brought me a prop this morning. This is my personal shovel. I've dug ditches and just killed snakes. Buried dead animals for my children had. I've done a lot of things with this shovel. But the Bible says, in this thing, it says, go dig ditches. Can I just tell you something? Sometimes God wants you to go dig because, you know what? I just believe this, 
It can't, he can't just, you can't just leave it all to God. Sometimes God's telling you, you go do something, son. You go dig and believe that I'm going to do something. I remember one time we were going to start on this campus, and we had, I don't know if y'all remember that, we had the little things, we had dirt in the little keychain. How many of y'all still got them dirt? You know what I'm talking about? Come on, how many of you got some dirt keychains still? You remember that? And I remember I felt, and that day I went out there and I started digging, and we were going to break the building, and we didn't do the building. We went and built Eunice. I didn't see what we were going to do, but some people got mad at me and go, well, I thought y'all were going to spend the money over here. Hello. You know, sometimes God will tell you something. It's a matter of whether or not you're going to be obedient to what God tells you to do. Faith, listen, let me see this. Faith goes beyond inspiration. You got to learn to participate with God. God always gets you involved first. Hey, you want to split the Jordan? Raise up the staff. Hey, you want to you, you, you take that blind man? He said, go wash. You go wash. He wanted to feed some people. What did he do? He said, hey, y'all sit down in 50s. We're going to feed you, but sit down. You had, and I just know that when you, when, see, when we planted this church, it was by digging ditches, man. We started this church. Let me just tell you something. You've heard the story, but I'm going to bore you a little bit this morning. Some of you, can I just say, some of you just hadn't seen the shovel in your pastor's hand. But I tell you what, we used to get in a green van, a 15-passenger van. We'd get all the kids, the ones we had. We had four back then. That's where Zach learned how to play the, the instruments. That's where Andrew tried to reach people with his skateboard here in town. That's where Matt, you know what, if we wouldn't have made the move, listen, Matt wouldn't be a professional musician. Nathan wouldn't be where he's at. And Luke and Libby might not be around. But I remember there was times that Tracy and I just, we had to dig. We didn't see results. We didn't see signs. We were praying for signs and wonders. Oh, God, please show up. And we would just keep be faithful. We kept digging. And we kept digging. And we kept digging. And people started coming. We kept digging. And we do work days. We do, you know, faith outreaches. We do whatever. We just kept digging. Are y'all getting the picture? OSC started in a green van. Listen, we got to, you got to start digging some ditches and start moving. God's saying, hey, dig a ditch. What do you believe in God for? Begin to dig. Begin to work. Begin to believe. Let me just say this. Look at me. Some of you are waiting for God to move. But can I tell you what God's waiting for? For you to move. Can I say that again? It's probably the best thing I said all morning. Some of us are waiting for God to move. But God's going, hey, I'm waiting for you to make the move. I believe this. God never uses lazy people. Don't give up. See, there's some of you here this morning. You say, Pastor Bubba, but I've been digging. I've been believing God for that dream, and it just, it just doesn't seem to be happening. And God, and you know, Pastor Bubba, I don't see my son, my marriage, my husband. My, oh, Pastor, if you saw my husband, that old bag of dirt, you, you would just see my wife. You see my children. You see my finances. Oh, Pastor, I've been coming. I've been faithful. I've been tithing. I'm just discouraged. 
Don't give up. Don't get discouraged. You got to stir up faith because when you start digging, God starts moving. And when God starts moving, come on, when you start moving ground, God begins to move things around you. Are y'all with me this morning? next two verses for this is what the Lord says listen to this verse what he says you will see neither wind nor rain he's saying you're not going to see many signs yet this valley will be filled with water and your cattle and the other animals will drink this is the easy thing in the eyes of the Lord he will also and he will also hand Moab over to you say hey man guys God's so great, he can do greater things than you imagine. Not only is he going to give you water in these ditches, he's going to take over, he's going to give you your enemy. See, I believe that some of you are longing for a sign. Some of you are so close to giving up because you're waiting for a sign. And see, the reality to all of that, you don't give up on your dream, you just keep digging ditches. Does that make sense? Number three, final thing. Faith has to continue regardless of what is seen. See, legacy builders, they put their hope in the unseen, not the seen. The seen things are temporary, but the unseen things, they're eternal. You know, there's a scripture in the Bible where it talks about talks about wood, hay, and stubble. Don't build on things that when the fire touches it, it's burned up and there's no evidence for what went on. Because that's those things that are things that grow above the ground. And they're easy to see. But the Bible says this. He says, you know what? The, the scripture, the word of God, God's presence is like gold and silver and fine jewels. And when you put fire to that, brilliance and value comes out of that. Amen? One of my Bible teachers, Leonard Ravenhill, used to say this. He said he was a great revivalist from England. He said he'd go to this. He went to a goldsmith's house one day, and the guy's stirring some gold, and he's purifying. He's turning up the fire, and he's looking, and he's going, wow. He goes, he goes, wow, is it ready yet? And he goes, oh, no, it's not ready. And he starts putting up the fire a little hotter, and he goes, well, is it ready? And he goes, no, it's not ready yet. He goes, well, how do you know when it's ready? He goes, it's easy. When you look into it and you see a reflection of yourself, then it's ready. See, God looks in our lives, and he's putting that fire to our lives to bring brilliance. And when he looks at our lives, all he wants to look and see is a reflection of himself. 